today on Ag News Daily. I have a feeling one day the data gets released and the markets get excited, Mike, and I think it's just another wonderful opportunity to sell green. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, flying solo for today's episode. Delaney Howell is actually flying, hopefully not solo, on her way down to New Orleans, Nolens, the Big Easy, the Crescent City. She's headed down there for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association annual convention. She'll be bringing us stories and updates and uh, all sorts of important things that are happening in the cattle industry, uh, well, I guess won't be today. She has been stuck with flight difficulties. A lot of you are aware, a lot of you are living through some cold temperatures today, some high winds, and I think that combination of things, plus the snow that's blowing around, kept her flight grounded earlier today. She was finally able to escape from Des Moines, made it down to, I think, Houston, and now she should be on her way to New Orleans. But We'll see if Delaney makes the podcast tomorrow. In the meantime, I have today's stories, market update, and of course, it is hashtag Market Monday, and we'll be joined a little bit later on by Mr. Tommy Grizzafi, a voice many of you are familiar with. We'll be talking to Tommy about what's going on in the markets this upcoming week, what to expect now that the government is back open. Speaking of government, uh, we've got an update here. Uh, Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker, who is actually from Iowa, uh, joined together with Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross and Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen, said today that they are going to make an enforcement announcement relating to China at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time on Monday. We don't know what this means. We don't know exactly what this enforcement charge is going to look at. But the Justice Department webpage, where the announcement will be shown live, said that Whitaker would join others to, quote, announce national security-related criminal charges. So I assume these are charges that will be levied against specific individuals in the Chinese government. And who knows what that might do A, to the markets, and B, to the uh, U.S.-China trade talks that are expected to resume here in just two days. Oh, 30 folks from China are on their way over. They're going to get together with a U.S. trade rep here in this country and discuss trade issues. Well, hopefully none of those people that come over are are the ones charged uh, with, uh, with criminal, you know, national security charges because I think that would would throw a wrench into the plans to renegotiate um, all this trade tariff brouhaha. We also have an update. It's an update that we won't have an update. You know, typical typical government uh, speak here. The Commerce Department Bureau of Economic Analysis said today that they are delaying the release of advanced fourth quarter gross domestic product data. It was scheduled for Wednesday, but because of the five-week shutdown, they haven't been able to put the work into it to get the figures correct. So they say this has prevented the collection of reports ranging from retail sales to construction spending, and all of that goes into the calculation of the GDP report. Uh, The spokesman for BEA, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, said that no new release dates have been set for those reports that were postponed. Uh, You know, just like we're seeing on the ag side with the USDA report just scrapping 
their January and just saying, hey, we're just going to update everything on those February reports. Uh, they did say the agency was consulting with the Bureau of Census and other data suppliers, and they're going to try to figure out how much data is available um, until uh, until they can come up with their reports again. So we will have no update of fourth quarter GDP growth or shrinkage, you know, I guess is, is a possibility for the foreseeable future. While we're talking judges and government and all that sort of thing, we've got an update here from the Monsanto Bayer Roundup lawsuit. Um, a federal judge, and this is the judge that is overseeing all of the lawsuits alleging that Roundup causes cancer. Today, the judge, and the quote is tentatively allowed, pieces of controversial evidence that the uh, company Bayer was trying to exclude. Um, the district judge, Vince er, Sh Shabria, I believe, um, has uh, has allowed into to has allowed the plaintiffs, so the people filing the suits, to introduce evidence of Monsanto's alleged attempts to ghostwrite studies and influence the findings of scientists and regulators during the first phase of upcoming trials. Uh, the judge said that these documents showed the company was taking a position on the science or a study introduced during the first phase, and they were, quote, super relevant. So these were documents that Bayer was hoping to not have admitted. They just don't really look all that good from the perspective of uh, of a jury looking at, hey, why are you trying to influence these trials? Yeah, you know, from an attorney's perspective, that opens up that, uh, oh, reasonable doubt. Of course, it's not reasonable doubt in a civil trial. They're, they're looking to uh, uh, get this thing, you know, get money not criminal charges, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a blowback for Bayer. Monsanto had argued a lot of this evidence was a sideshow that would only distract jurors from the scientific evidence. Uh, but the plaintiff's attorney said this shows potentially corporate misconduct, and that is linked to scientific claims, and that's what the judge agreed with. So we'll have to see where this case goes. Um, this is only going to be allowed. The reason it was tentative is that it will only be allowed if glyphosate was found to have caused the current plaintiff, Edwin Hardiman's, cancer. And if the trial then proceeds to a second phase to determine whether or not Bayer is liable. And I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but I do have my dog, Mr. Wesley, helping me out today. So if you hear a clickety-clack, clickety-clack, that's just his little claws on the hardwood floor here. It's just too cold for him to be outside. And I tell you, it's it's only going to get worse. Listeners, if you've got livestock, if you've got pets, be careful when you're outside tending to them. This is not the time of year. These next couple days where we're going to see record wind chills across much of the upper Midwest and, and, well, Midwest. I mean, all the way through Ohio, the Ohio River Valley are going to see phenomenally cold temperatures. Be careful. Tell somebody when you're going out. I know a lot of this stuff sounds like common sense or perhaps it's uh, a little bit of over concern but negative 40 some degrees negative 50 degrees wind chill temps that's the kind of thing that one thing goes wrong and you're a popsicle and we certainly don't want any of our listeners to become popsicles so uh, try to try to make sure somebody knows where you are at all times and check in if you're out there doing chores and if you don't check in let somebody know they should come and take a look for you because it won't take very long at all.
for these upcoming cold temperatures to uh, freeze you solid. So do be careful here in these upcoming days. I got an update here from Yamaha. Yamaha Motor announced that they are setting up a $100 million venture fund. And they're going to take this $100 million, they're going to look to get investments in startup companies. And they said one of their next big areas of growth is agriculture. Um, and so what Yamaha has said is that they are going to, with this $100 million uh, venture, they are going to focus quite a bit of it on ag tech companies. Uh, so they are going to be looking around to see, you know, what's out there, where it fits into us. So I would say if you are a tech entrepreneur, particularly an ag tech entrepreneur, check this thing out. It's called the Yamaha Motor Exploratory Fund. And they're looking at exploratory investments. So, I mean, they're looking to get in early at things. They want to see Facebook when it was, you know, just at one college. This, if you are in that growth stage and you're a startup tech company, reach out to them. Uh, they are looking for disruptive innovations. They say, quote, they're not looking for anything incremental. They don't want just improvements on the current process. They want to invest in things that are going to shake it up, really uh, disrupt the status quo. Um, so reach out to them. I don't have a website for them, but uh, just Google the Yamaha Motor Exploratory Ventures and uh, and it will pop up and you can hopefully find some connection, find some way to get your fund, your company up in there and uh, maybe get some money. That's what it's all about. It's all about getting that money. Well, let's take a look at the markets. Let's see if any of us in agriculture are able to get the money here today. And folks, our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, it is always a good time, but especially when the, when the weather's got you inside, work through your marketing plan. If you need assistance, if you want help managing that marketing risk, give our friends at Zaner a call. You can reach them at 312-277-0050, or you can visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. We've got a little bit of a weakness in the grain markets today. Starting with corn, March contract down half a cent at 379 and three quarters. The May also down a half at 388 and a quarter. In soybeans, the March contract dropped two cents on the day at 923 and a quarter. The May down two as well to finish at 937 even. In Chicago, wheat, the March contract dropped one and a quarter cents at 518 and three quarters. The May down one and a half to finish at 525 and a half. Jumping over to the world of livestock, we've got a little bit of strength here in the cattle complex. February live cattle up 35 cents on the day at 126.40. The April up 52.50 to close at 127.37.50. In feeder cattle, the January contract up 10 cents, closed at 143.47.50. The March up 72.5 to finish at 144.35. Mixed trade in lean hogs, February down 40 cents, 57.97.50 is the close. April up 20 to finish at 62.32 and a half. Jumping over to take a look at the dairy market in class three milk, slow day. February contract unchanged on the day. The March down two cents to finish at 14.24. Without further ado, let's get a word from our friend Tommy Grizzoffi, who is in Chicago. Well, folks, it is Hashtag Market Monday, and joining us from the Chicago Board of Trade is our good friend Tommy Grizzoffi from Advanced Trading. Tommy, how you doing today? 
I'm doing well. How are you? You know, not too bad at all. We've got bitterly cold wind temp, wind chills on the way, but the sun is out. Beans are up. Tommy, let's talk about it. What's going on today in the soybean market? Yeah, so uh, nice recovery in grains. I know we're down a little bit, but if you take those gains we had from Friday and you add what we lost just a little bit today, how the world didn't end. Uh, seeing some bigger selling in the stock market and uh, crude oil coming back a little bit. And I think the one that would probably have people shaking their head more than anything else is uh, we knew it was going to be cold going home, but yet natural gas was down huge today. So uh, no shortage of excitement here at the border trade. Yeah, that is true. Surprising with these horribly cold temps coming that Nat Gas has seen such a sell-off, but I suppose buy the rumor, sell the fact type of move. Yeah, and then looking out in the weeks to come, we're going to shoot up in 40s and kind of be, we're going to go from abnormally cold to abnormally warm. And uh, being that it's a futures market, they're trading what's happening in the future, not what's happening this second. And those markets, I bet you a lot of people, Mike, went home over the weekend, long natural gas, thinking they cornered the market only to find out they're making a margin call by Tuesday morning. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let, let's talk about the grains. You mentioned the nice recovery. Let's start with the corn market here. We're up three and a quarter in the front months. we got Dece up two and a half. Tommy, how far can we run this thing, do you think? I don't I have the market down, Mike. I don't know if you're looking oh. at a different quote or whatnot, but uh, well, I have corn down a half. Oh, yes, you are correct. Mine just refreshed. Look at that. God professionalism here on Ag News Daily. So you're right. Corn is well, down. That's okay. Well, now I'm a little less excited to chat with you about it. That's okay. I think being down a half is a moral victory, and uh, I don't think a farmer in America needs to uh, have their head slump lower. And, and the one thing that is improving is, uh, heck, with the Board of Trade, farmers listening to this podcast have to check their local cash market. Uh, with the government being closed as long as they were, and everything going on, the real market is your local cash market. I'm at the Board of Trade right now, and I don't see a single truck out here, Mike, uh, <laughs> wanting to drop off grain. So uh, I don't want to say what we do is not real. It's as real as cancer. But as when it comes to delivering corn, it actually happens in your local market. And that's where we've seen the greatest improvement in basis is the cash markets all around Iowa, where you are. The market's got hot. So minus 30-degree weather, uh, trucks tend to not start. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Tommy, I, I got to ask you, looking out at the Dece 19, we're still trading at 403. We're north of four bucks. Are you seeing any growers putting some hedges in here or is it still just a little too early in the game to really look at, at hedging much of your new crop? There was a time a few months ago and a few weeks ago when we first went up to like that 410 level, a lot mm -hmm. of hedging months ago. They still have those on, and now we're at 403, and it's it's like Groundhog Day. We're, we're always 401, 402, 403, 399, 404, but I haven't seen any new hedging, at least in my book of business. Um, Friday, I saw some hedging in beans getting back up above 960, but I uh, saw a lot more hedging of old crop than new crop. So to answer your question, Mike, nothing excitable. Uh, I know myself personally, I haven't been crazy busy asking growers to do anything, now with the government reopening, uh, any grain that's being sold is being sold on a hot basis, a, a real hot local cash market, and, and that's motivating people to sell grain. So I guess I would say the heavy lifting is being done locally, not here in Chicago. Uh, futures prices aren't uh, really getting anyone excited. We're trading the same prices we've traded uh, many, many months. Yeah.
Well, now, Tommy, with the with the government back open, we're going to start seeing export reports again. Looking down at the soybean market, what do you anticipate to see coming out of USDA here in the coming uh, weeks? I imagine, and I guess I'm no expert on the government being closed for 32 days, or <laughs> I bet you won't interview anyone who's an expert on the government nope. being closed for 32 days, but... Uh, I guess we're going to see a lot of data come out. I imagine we sold China some grain while we were closed. I have a feeling one day the data gets released and the markets get excited, Mike, and I think it's just another wonderful opportunity to sell grain. I, I don't see, I don't think while we were closed, China stole our crop. Uh, working with the elevators that we do in North Dakota, we did see that excitement of uh, cash bids coming out of the PNW, but that slowed down a lot too. So. If China was literally stealing our crop from us, the Gulf and PNW would absolutely be on fire. And I don't see that. I don't see it in freight rates. I'm just not seeing the cash market light up. Uh, we're doing a little business. So I think we see some sales. I think we see a bunch of jumbled data. And no matter what comes out, someone's going to be upset that the USDA ruined their day and uh, hopefully uh, not their life. But uh, it's my advice to have a grower sell a little bit more grain and get a little further out in their skis before this report. Uh, if they're in love with owning grain, come on down to Chicago. I'll click the button for you, and you can buy as much as you want right here on my iPhone or my laptop. Uh, you know, But the actual cash grain, I think the best opportunity to get that moved here will be in the next few weeks, Mike. All right. And and you mentioned you are still seeing some growers looking at hedging that Nove 19 contract. We're still north of 960. Tommy, is there some, well, I know there's always downside risk, but if we don't see large sales to China here in the next couple weeks, how much downside risk do you think is there in that November contract? Uh, I could see Nove uh, getting lower than nine, not, not maybe before spring planning, but uh, well, everyone thinks the South American crop's a little smaller than it, it, it was initially advertised, which is fine, but they're still going to have a crop. So the American farmers holding a lot of beans, uh, South American crop's going to come in. If we don't start to get a resolution here with China, I think the the uh, pressure of of how many beans we have is going to hit the market. But that that's another market, Mike. Uh, heck with the 960. That sounds good. But try to find a fall basis for next year. Mm -hmm. uh, still seeing an extremely wide basis. So it's not it's not like a guy can hedge 960 beans and there's a 25 cent basis in beans. We're looking at 75 cents a dollar. No one wants to commit to. Uh, well, they'll commit, but it, it's at a level that'll knock you off your feet. So I'm not as worried about the futures prices. I am worried about the local cash market. That basis for fall delivery does not look good that billion bushels of beans is going to come back to haunt us if we don't start to do something with them here quickly. Right. Those beans haven't gone anywhere from last harvest, and if they're still sitting at the elevator, that elevator's not typically very excited to run right out and buy a whole bunch more. And you see that in no, the basis. No, no, it's, it's, it's too early. Yeah, it's the basis. So beans have downside. I mean, it, it's easy to look at the futures market, get the options book, and easily beans have 50 cents of upside, 50 cents of downside priced in or at least the options uh, are prepared for something like that anything more than that though i think you'd get the market excited right so if i talked to you in a month and beans were 10 10 bid 50 cents higher oh people would be excited uh beans were 50 cents lower oh people would be bummed out so 50 cents would probably get it done either way uh here in beans to make people nervous on the upside or downside 
All right. Well, let's talk about the wheat market. Bitterly cold temps coming, a lot of or a lack of snow cover across much of the Great Plains. And yet, here's the wheat markets, both Kansas City and Chicago, just kind of sitting on their butts. Tommy, what's it going to take to move this wheat market? Well, the wheat market has nine lives, and I imagine this cold weather will uh, definitely knock out a few of them, uh, a few of the nine lives. But, uh, golly, you think with the fundamentals of Kansas City that we would have uh, a little potential out there, but I'm not seeing it. So uh, without something heating up in South America, and uh, Mike, I, I've seen markets rally on these cold snaps, but I've never seen them be a sustained rally. So everyone says it was super cold, it's going to kill the wheat, and then all of a sudden comes spring and the, the ground gets warm and it rains a few times, and next thing you know, it's the end of June, began July, and we're harvesting a record wheat crop again. So... Boy, to bet the ranch that some cold weather is going to kill all the wheat. It, it hasn't paid in a long time. I don't know that it will this time either. All right. So uh, it's Groundhog Day and wheat also. It is. It is. We're just sitting here flopping around, it seems, waiting for something to move us one way or the other. And, uh, Tommy, I want to jump on over to the livestock markets while we got you on the phone. You mentioned we're seeing a little bit of a sell-off in the equities today, still seeing some strength in live cattle. What are your thoughts here on the cattle market? Well, Price structure looks good now, but you go out to the August, since we've been doing a lot of hedging out to that August time frame, and it don't look like by price or from uh, you know, the guys I work with who are feeding cattle. Come August, there's going to be, uh, we're going to have a lot of cattle, a lot of beef, so let's hope the stock market can stay up and demand. Uh, it's not like in the U.S. stock market we trust, uh, but the front end of the cattle market, I imagine you had a few people caught short. I don't think the the weight or the gains nearly there with this adverse weather and the sloppy pen conditions that we talked to. The best way I find out about cattle, Mike, is just talking to guys. So you just say, what do you think? How's your, how's your farm? And I don't work with enough cattle guys to really have a, you know, there are some brokers who are professional, professional cattle brokers, and, and that's not me. But with the, the 20 guys I work with in cattle, uh, we say, watch out for this, watch out for that animals aren't gaining you know we're uh they're going to burn a lot of energy just trying to stay warm so you've seen the front end of the market resemble that but then when you look at august uh live cattle at 113 i know i had some 114s for some guys and i saw the front end rally and i thought their hedges would be against them and yet they're still going their way so if you're hedged in back keep them in front uh i wouldn't tell anyone to take off their hedges i just think people might be a little shocked that uh, Feb cattle are 126, and you got your Aprils at 127. So uh, I guess as these animals uh, start to get processed, you're going to see overall weights down. So just simple math, Mike, it's going to take a lot more cattle to get the, the same ton tonnage. Right. So the key is we got to keep demand strong, both domestically and uh, internationally. Keep selling that beef to hungry, hungry customers. Absolutely, absolutely. Tommy, before we let you go, if you could have one thought get into a grower's head here in this cold time, they're not going to be, like you said, hauling a lot of grain here with negative 40-degree wind chills. What, what what should they be thinking about this time of year? I go back to the old Boy Scout motto, be prepared. Uh, be prepared for something to happen. So have some dream offers in, some realistic dream offers in the market, and maybe we get a little China Trump news. Maybe we get a little flash that... Uh, the market thinks we sold a bunch of grain, and the, the, the computers run the show right now on these electronic tickets. Have some dream offers and get the bid and ask between reality and perception a little closer, Mike. 
All right. Well, Tommy Grizzafi with Advanced Trading, tell us how can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to put some hedges on or uh, or just manage their risk a little bit. I give us a call at the office, 1-800-664-4383, and I wish everyone a safe 2019, and those guys with the animals, Mike, uh, be safe out there. Well, I do always enjoy talking to Tommy. He's got uh, great perspective, and he's just an interesting guy to chat with. Listeners, if you want to catch up on any of our past podcasts, you can check out the website at agnewsdaily.com. It will take you right to all of our podcasts at our new home at the Global Ag Network. We've got a number of other fantastic podcasters on there. The Girls Talk Ag, Working Cows, you name it, you can find them at the Global Ag Network, globalagnetwork.com. And you can always interact with me or Delaney on Facebook and on Twitter. Just hit up at Ag News Daily on both of those places, and we'll be there. With that, we'll be back tomorrow. Delaney down in New Orleans, me in Des Moines for the Iowa Power Farming Show. All kinds of great updates coming on the way. Until then, folks, I'm going to let you go.